um, is a um, someone I have huge respect for. Has a great career. Look it up. Look it up because it'll take me all. You know, I'm not going to go through all this crap, okay? You have to do some of the work. So anyway, Eric is a really terrific artist. He shows with Mulheron Gallery, um, a great gallery in the Lower East Side. Shout out to Catherine, Catherine Mulheron. And uh, he has done an incredible project where it's so, what he's done is reenact what Ankawara has done for in a three-month project he devoted his entire life to this three-month project and uh we're gonna hear about that eric must be crazy i want to find out if it totally fucked with his head that's what we're gonna find out and then after that we're gonna have uh carla Gaines in the second half and carla just got married that's what i'm excited about i want to hear about that but you know what she 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 really wants to talk about her art because she's so good at it and she's so devoted to it and she has like she's like the what is she what is she Eric the assistant chairman of what is it I have it down here uh, I think she's the president of Pratt University or something yeah president of Pratt and she's good looking um, well too bad she's taken now <laughs> yeah 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 sorry guys um, oh I think I heard a laugh out there um, anyway so we're gonna talk to her but before we get started let's do the station ID. Uh, this is Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit on Friday from 2 to 3, and I'm coming to you from Radio Free Brooklyn, which is the best station in the tri-state area. It is so amazing, and it's so growing, and the other shows on this station, I am so happy to actually be included in something like this. Like, I can't fucking believe it. Uh and Tom and I still get along well. We, I spe- you know, I spelled his name wrong, but we're over it. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, and also uh, my sponsor, um, which is uh, Paul Mitchell Hair Care, uh, which, is, which is a shampoo, uh, so shampoo and conditioner. So if you uh, are in the habit of washing your hair and using conditioner, it's a brand you could think of buying. It's, it's too bad they can't see how great our hair looks. <laughs> well, we're going to have pictures. Don't worry. Um, so let's get right down to it. Hi, hi, Eric. Hello, Dr. Lisa. Oh, she, he's right here. This is so exciting. Lot. Um, so, Eric, uh, why don't you, because not everyone is uh, familiar with Ankawara. Um, well, I'm um I have like the list of things that you you did to recreate what he did, but why don't you why don't you explain it because you're you're closer into that. So tell us what the project is that you did. Uh, okay, sure. Well, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about Ankawara and his artwork first, I guess, uh, for those who don't know him. Uh, Ankawara is an artist who was born in Japan but lived mostly in New York and uh, who passed away last year, and. He's best known for uh, what's called the Today series, which is um, a series of paintings that he made uh, for uh, over 40 years. And each one is simply the date uh, of a single day painted in white on a monochrome canvas, usually a very dark gray. And each painting was made on the day that's depicted. So if it says January 17th, 1969, it was made on that day. And they're painted in the uh, language of wherever uh, Ancora was on the day that he made that painting. So if he was in France, you know, would have it in French and what have you. Um, 
He also did a number of other projects kind of documenting his life. He did a project called I Went, which consisted of uh, drawing uh, in red pen on a map the path that he took every day. Uh, he did a project called I Got Up, where he would send out a postcard rubber stamped with the time that he woke up that day and also the location. And the postcard was, of course, from the same place. Uh, he did a project called I Met, which was a list of all of the people that he met. Um, again, kind of a daily list. And um, uh, a project called I Read, which had to do with things that he read in the paper uh, and kind of archived. So uh, so if we were going to make a list of it, you would be saying that he made a painting every day? Well, not necessarily every day. Or almost but, every day. Uh, yeah, more, more frequently at the beginning than later on. But, but like a painting roughly a day. Or well, every other day? Uh, you know, I think the first few years he made probably over 200 paintings a year, and then in later years he did it a little bit less uh, frequently. But each painting was made in only a day and on the day that is you know, so. Good. So anyway, he was busy painting away. Right. He was sending out postcards every day. He was writing down everything he read. He wrote down um, every on a map everywhere he went. And he made um, a, a list of all the people he saw. Is that right? Every day? That's that's correct, yeah. Okay. And other than that, however, he led a very, uh, I suppose you could say, mysterious life. Oblique. In that he he uh, never gave an interview. He did not allow himself to be photographed. He never spoke about his work uh, in public. Um, so he did all these things that documented some very minute details of his life and, and over a very long time span, but there are a lot of other things about him that are unknown to those of us who did not know him personally. So it's kind of interesting because you could you the facts about him are easily available, but the actual, um, I don't know, spirit or the what his personality was like or uh, is very... It's impo- there's not very much known, right? I mean, it's hard to know. It's hard to get a sense of his personality outside of his artwork. Am I right? Does that make sense? Uh, well, he did. You know, he sort of did not. He led a very private life, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, some things that, you know, kind of we know. Like he really enjoyed games and puzzles, and um, apparently he actually supported himself in the early years through uh, gambling. Um, mm. But yeah, but but uh, you know he at once kind of revealed, uh, you know, very much about his life, and on the other hand, kept a lot uh, very private. Um, so so going back to my project, just to let mm-hmm. the listeners sort of know a little bit more about it, uh, there was a, a an exhibition for three months uh, earlier this year at the Guggenheim Museum, which presented all of Ankara's uh, different projects. He had the whole museum. And for that uh, period uh, of three months, I basically reenacted all of those projects that we just discussed. So uh, I made, uh, you know, roughly three paintings a week. I kept a daily list of everyone who I met. I drew a map every day of where I went and sent out the postcards with the time that I got up as well. Um, that sounds horrible. I mean, Eric, that just sounds like the most masochistic way to live, if you ask me. Uh, it, was, it was pretty intense. It, it, it definitely took over my life. So anyway, um, I want to, you know, I want to talk about what that experience was like for you because, you know, I remember I came by the studio like when it was done and I, and it was really, I asked you a lot of details about it and I got a sense sort of of what it was like and um, I remember thinking that it was a very extreme experience, right? It sounded like it. Yes. Would you agree with mm-hmm. that? 
because um, it really just uh, took over your entire life, wait every moment, right? Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't painting every day, so I did have some time off in a sense. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I was having to keep track of all of these things every day. Mm-hmm. And, and I also I had a, a website uh, for the project mm-hmm. where I was posting everything. So I had to, you know, post things regularly. Right. And, and a show at Mulherin, um throughout the whole process. So you had to or most of it, a lot of it, the beginning, right? The, 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 the first, first month, month there was a show at Mulherin where right. kind of, as I was making the paintings, I would also deliver them to the gallery more or less the next right. day. Right. And, and you know, the show is terrific. It's I'm sure it's still up online on her on the Mulherin website. Um, but you were also dropping off the work and the show was growing as you were going through the process of reenacting. Right. It started with one work. painting, which I made on the first day of the project. And uh, by the end of the show, I think there were uh, 12 paintings, I believe. And you didn't go to the opening. Uh, that's right, because Encore never uh, went to his openings, never appeared in public. Mm-hmm. So I also, you know, basically went off of social media and didn't didn't uh, make any announced appearances over that time. <laughs> oh, God, that must have been... That must have been tough, but well, that I mean, that was <laughs> actually pro- pro- that was that was possibly one of the best parts was was kind of uh, oh, clearing you know, your calendar. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I didn't have to you know uh-huh. write down you know all these things. Uh, so anyway, that was uh, finished what t- a month ago, two months ago. Uh, it finished uh, at the very beginning of May. So, so um, let's talk about what what that was like. What, how you look back on it? How it affected you? What the experience was like? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, I, I did have some sense of what I of what I was getting into because I had done uh, some of those projects previously. So I, I had already been uh, making the date paintings, you know, kind of for a few years, uh, but not with the same frequency, of course. Uh, in 2010, I did the I met uh, sorry the I went project for a year, so I had a year's worth oh. of maps that I had done. Oh. Um, I had sent out the I got up postcards uh, also for a, a year or two. So I had done these various things separately, but I had never done them all together at the same time. And, um, you know, my, my work in general is about remaking work by other artists. And um, so I was really interested with this particular project because, you know, it, it, I, I really felt like I was kind of inhabiting the world of Ankara and living my life in a very similar way, although, of course, you know, we, well, I mean, he was dead, but while he was alive, you know, we got up in different places, we, we met different people. So within each day, there were, of course, differences about how we were going about our day. But um, it was kind of getting the whole experience of what it was like to be doing all these things simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, that must have been what what was I mean, what was that like? Was that the first time where, like, because you've also done things like Andy Warhol screen tests, you've remade those. And um, although that's a process that must sort of evoke what Andy Warhol must have gone through, I don't think you, have you ever done a project this extreme of what it's like to do the other person's work? Yeah, I mean, definitely nothing that was so extensive, you know, mm-hmm. like this, because it was, you know, three months. And like you said, it was basically having to do something every day. Um, it, it was certainly more, um, you know, intense and, and kind of a more prolonged, uh, you know, meditation, yeah, I guess, a, on it. Right. And, and you know, it was also, I mean, it was, I think, really nice for me that there was also this exhibition up at the Guggenheim at the same time because I also was able to spend a lot of time with the, the original artwork over right. this period and attend some lectures where there were other people, you know, talking about it who had really, you know, given it a lot of thought. But... 
I also felt like I had a really kind of unique viewpoint on what it was like to actually be, you know, making these things or, or living your life in this way. And, you know, I have to say that I think one of the things, I mean, there were a number of surprises, but one of the big ones was really just about how kind of relentless it was, you know, and it's like, uh, on the one hand, I was freed from having to make a lot of choices about like, oh, when I go to the studio, what am I going to make today? <laughs> you know, that was kind of decided for me, mm-hmm. but there really was never really a break. I mean, I could take a few days off from painting, but I was still having to keep track of all these things, remember to write things down, remember to post them. And, um, you know, I think that was an aspect that just looking at his work, I had never really appreciated the fact that just it was mm-hmm. kind of unending. And, uh, you know, in a way, you're never, you, you never escape from it. <laughs> right. So, um, so were you, were, I mean, I saw you, maybe once or twice you looked exhausted I mean how what did it feel like like was it exhausting were you in a surreal experience did you feel connected to Ankawara can let me just just throw all those questions out sure um well it was physically fairly demanding I mean you know I I had set myself a goal of making about two or three paintings a week but uh you know I also knew that I had some flexibility there because there wasn't a set schedule that I had to make them on so if I was just totally tired or what have you I could I could take the day off um you know actually making the paintings uh for me took quite a while I mean that was anywhere from you know 14 to 16 hours of work basically to make them for one painting wow they're they're very precise and very smooth and you know so it's just a lot of back and forth again not easy to do not I mean I I couldn't I couldn't make I don't have the skills you really have to have skills it's true yeah and I would say you know actually by the end of it it started uh really affecting my eyes I mean that was like a a a physical outcome that I felt uh they started getting blurry really easily Mm. and I actually like I, I really the the project ended on May 3rd and I really wanted to make two paintings in May but at the end I was kind of unsure if I was gonna you know be able to do that without ruining my eyes wow. and I looked I looked online and sort of the website said oh your eyes should go back to normal it'll be okay so I, I decided to just push through it and, and do those but mm-hmm. I actually I, I mean I, I I have noticed that still um you know I do have problems when I'm doing that kind of focused wow. close-up work for a while where they start to get blurry and interesting so did you like did you get any kind of like spiritual connections whatever that means spiritual but i mean did you did you feel like there was something did you feel like you got an understanding of ankawara that you don't think that maybe anyone else was it would be able to get in any other way yeah i mean you know like like you said um i mean he was a very secretive person and there's a lot about him that we don't know so i i, I didn't feel like i got closer to him in that sense it's not that I learned you know these things about him in in that way but I think having the experience of you know of making these things and these works and and doing them all together um you know I I guess more than some of the other artists who's who who have kind of uh worked with I did feel like I was kind of more uh walking in his shoes as it were Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, another thing that was kind of a surprise is um, Ankwar himself uh, traveled quite extensively. Mm-hmm. And, and so these paintings were made all over the world and the maps were, mm-hmm. you know, different places mm-hmm. and what have you. Um, I traveled a, a little bit over those three months, not nearly as extensively as he would have mm-hmm. typically. But um, that was 
it was interesting actually how different the experience of making the paintings was when I went to different places. Interesting. And, you know, I think when you look at them in a museum, I mean, you see the difference in, you know, the format or the languages of the dates, but somehow that had never really come across to me just as a viewer of, of thinking about like, oh, you know, like who, you know, this one he made in Japan when he was staying with his, you know, parents mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. this one he made while he was, um, mm-hmm. you know, living in Mexico City for a month. And for myself, you know, the paintings that actually stick out a lot more to me when I look at them are the ones that I made while I was not in my studio and while I was somewhere else. And I have a lot more... Um, you know, memories like, oh, that was, you know, when I, you know, had dinner with this person or, or you know, somehow coming out of the studio to make the work um, made it, you know, th- those pieces more memorable to me. And, you know, I know that that doesn't come through to the viewer, but at the same time, you know, I think it, it is there in the work. And, and, you know, also thinking about the I met and this list of people that he met, you know, it, it's you know, also presumably he probably gave paintings to people and, and mm-hmm. I you know, have given some away too. And, and mm-hmm. there is that kind of connection there with like, oh, someone, you know, was there with you in, um, you know, mm-hmm. Dallas while you were making this painting mm-hmm. and, and also mm-hmm. has kind of a connection with it. What was it like functioning in the world? I mean, you were talking about like how you um, did travel a bit and you, you, you had to set up shop, I'm guessing, in other pl- places. And, you know, and I'm sure like there must have been a point. I mean, you... You you have the lovely Kathy, Cathay. Sorry, I'm on air. I got nervous. <laughs> who um, must have been with you for I mean for part of it, right? At certain po- points, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys don't live together, but you see each other regularly. And I imagine she was on some of the trips and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, she came along on some of them. Yeah, and then you guys were also around other people. So. How how awkward was that? Was that like weird? Like, sorry, I got to write. I, see you guys. Uh, I'm just going to go write this list now. Or like, what was it like? Or like, were you ever in a situation where you were having to paint? Um, like, in you know, hey, hey, do you mind if I just I got to go paint for like 10 hours or like, what did you run across any of that? Um, I, I would say it was actually the opposite. Um, you know, everyone who I stayed with while I traveled, obviously, I told about the project ahead of time, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so they were aware of kind of what was going to be happening. And I actually felt like I was able to um, kind of share something about myself and my artistic process. Oh, and, wow! You know, I, I think you know, typically while you're working, you're in the studio, you're by yourself. There's kind of no one else around. And, you know, you kind of present this thing at the end of it, (laughs) look at it and they love it or they hate it. (laughs) But um, I actually, you know, felt like it was it was a really nice thing to be able to make these things with other people around and, you know, like chat with them while I was painting instead of just having the radio on. And and I, I sort of felt like it was a nice way of letting friends and family kind of know a little bit more of what. You, you do. know what my life is like, yeah. And also, I guess they they just by the nature of being in your sphere uh, were incorporated into the work as That's well. That's right. So they would show up on the IMET project, and you know any places that we went together would be on the map. And yeah. And then when you look back on making the paintings, you probably think, oh, you remember like they're like little souvenirs almost of what where you were. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and each painting comes in a box with a newspaper from the place right. where it was, you know, where it was made. So and, and from the day when it was made. So there's also that kind of, you know, what was what was happening in the world? Where was I? Um, all those things definitely, mm-hmm. you know, are 
right there in the work. Right. So do you think that Encore traveling a lot made making I mean that work sounds really difficult to make. Um it it doesn't sound I I have to say it doesn't sound enjoyable to me. But do you think that um him traveling might have made it a lot more enjoyable like he traveled a lot. Do you think that traveling made it just like more How is it fucking tenable to do that? How was it tenable for him to do that? Well, I think first of all, you know, we have to assume that um you know, there was something in his personality that liked doing this kind of work. And what, what do you think and, that is? Well, uh, you know, I don't want to be stereotypical, but he was, you know, of Japanese descent. Oh, yeah. He was born in Japan, and we often Asian. associate with Japanese people this kind of precision mm. and simplicity mm. and, you know. A, Stereotypes. A, yeah, I get it. Um, no, it makes sense. So, so you know, so yeah. there is that. And I think that's something that I was definitely working against in a way. I mean, not that I you know, can't do something that's precise and meticulous, but, you know, my, let's just say, you know, if, if I was going to make these paintings, I would have gone about it a little bit differently and I would have, um, you know, take, take, just taken a different approach. So it was right. something that was in a sense, not natural to me in the same way that it would have been a natural right. Right. of what he right. was doing. Right. But I think, uh, you know, I think that the travel was definitely a part of it and, you know, something that, that certainly I thought about is, you know, it's like I'm drawing this map of where I went every day and I'm keeping this list of who I mm-hmm. met every day. And I sort of like to think about how all those people that I met had their own maps of where they went that oh, day. Oh, that's interesting. And, you know, all of our maps would kind of intersect and oh, diverge that's so interesting. Yeah, in different had... places, you know. And so like interesting. If I, if I had lunch with mm-hmm. a couple, you know, like much, much of their path would have been the same, but then maybe they, you know, went... You know, mm. one went home and took a nap and one went out to a museum or something like that. And so, I, you know, I really like to think about how these things connect and depart. And then also, you know, with the postcards, those are kind of, you know, also fanning out across the, the Yeah, world. I've got a bunch, thank yeah. God. And I've got a bunch from before. That's my retirement right there. <laughs> um, so you said there were some surprises. Are there any other surprises that I might not have asked you about that you would share? Uh Let's see. We talked about the relentlessness of the days. We talked about um, the travel. Um, did, I, did I ask all the right questions and get them all out? I hope so. That would be great. <laughs> Testament to me. Yay me. We should have made a list beforehand. No, no. That's so enquiry. Uh, right. You're actually, I, wanna, I, want my, I want my listeners to know that, Eric, by nature, you seem to be out of the people I know. You seem to be one of the most organized artists that I personally know. So I think that, you know, um, I just I just want my listeners to know. It's not like you were starting. I mean, you would, you, you would say you're organized, right? Uh, I think that's safe to say. Yeah, yeah. highly organized, yeah, right? And, and, you know, and, yeah. and I, I wouldn't have taken on this project if I thought it was something that I couldn't do or that, you know, right. or if it was totally against yeah. my nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there yeah. is something about kind of uh, inhabiting someone else's shoes that it you know it's a weird thing it's like you're kind of you know in some ways they don't fit quite right you know they 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 rub on the toe or something like that sure um and um so anyway this is really as much i mean i mean i think we'd all have to say it's pretty much a performance as much as it is making the art right yeah it definitely was you know a, a, a performance and and you know, and I think also, obviously, time is a major theme in Encore's work uh, with this kind of recording of the days. And, you know, and I, and I guess I was also 
interested in that and and having this website, which, by the way, if anyone wants to go, it's still up. It's echoes2015.tumblr.com. Yeah. yeah, it's fascinating, um, by the way. I was looking at it this morning. But, it's you know, really that's, well that's done. kind of this, uh, you know, update that, mm-hmm. you know, for, I mean, at the end of Encore's life, the internet was there. But for most of it, this mm-hmm. didn't exist. But, you know, I would think that had it been there, you know, maybe he would have had a blog or been tweeting this information or something like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, and if we think about, the sort of technology that he was working with. He did a whole project which uh, using telegrams, which actually I couldn't really do because you can't send a telegram anymore. <laughs> and, and even something like postcards, which I think, you know, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, you could have easily bought wherever you went. You know, nowadays it's actually kind of hard to find a postcard when you go someplace. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, so that was sort of interesting to me too, how how like the postcard and the telegram were these things that were very much of his time and sort of doing it now it's with you know tumblr and the internet uh, Mm -hmm. as well kind of making Mm -hmm. it more uh a project Mm -hmm. of my time Mm -hmm. so what kind of profound is there like when like has it made any now that now that it's a month or two two months away or whatever it is is there any changes that you, you think it's affected you in the long term uh, well, uh, I mean, we, t- we talked about my eyes, which I'm hoping will not be yeah. completely long-term. Psychological. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, I think anything that you do, you know, affects you. I mean, I definitely felt like I needed mm-hmm. to take some time and, and mm-hmm. recuperate from it and sort of think about mm-hmm. what I wanted to do next. It was, you know, I think because I spent a number of months planning this project and then three months doing it so intently, I didn't really have anything set up right because you to do planned afterwards. it yeah so that's sort of been interesting to me about thinking about what mm-hmm. you know comes next and and I think you know with with all of my work although it's you know always kind of working with something that's been done by another artist first there's also usually some element of autobiography in it right and, of course you know and that I think you know is very prevalent in this project but also I've been thinking more about that you know going forwards and and kind of how I mean, obviously, in some ways, all art is autobiographical, but kind of how, how um, you know, I might do more to kind of incorporate my own self and my own experiences and my own kind of personal history into these works that I might make. Oh, in the wow. Future. So that's really interesting. So that, 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 so, wow, that's a really interesting um, effect that it had. Kind of, does that feel like it's opening? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, can, feel, I don't feel like that's something that's totally new. You know, I think that no. definitely there are projects I've done before that kind of played sure. with Absol- with that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess it highlighted that it, area. Yeah, it made me think more about kind of working in that space hmm. a little bit hmm. in the future. Interesting. Um, but um, the question I was going to ask you next—it's actually going to be our last question, I think. Um, is sort of leading into that because um, I was wondering if you were thinking about doing any other kind of work that is more um, performative or more integrated into your life. And, I mean, is this another is which is kind of what you're saying? It, you know, kind of relates to what you're saying. Or yeah, I mean, I'm would not, you do this again? Not. Uh, I, I would probably not do this. Uh, again, I mean, I have uh, made a few uh, paintings uh, since no. since the project. No, but I mean, but, but not another similar thing or another yeah. I thing. mean, I mean, I think um, 
you know, I, I mean, performance has been in some ways an aspect of my work in the past. Like sure. I used to sell these little bootleg paintings on yeah. the street and part of it was not just making the paintings, but kind of the act of, of selling them. So it's something that I am interested in. You sure. know, I would never call myself a performance artist. I yeah. think I'm much more interested no, in... Don't do that anyway. <laughs> just don't, don't even say it. I, you know, I, think, <laughs> I think I'm more interested in the object. But, right. but, you know, I think this question of autobiography and kind of how to incorporate that into the work, um, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that, you know, even if it's a painting that somehow is about its creation or about its... Mm -hmm. You know, whatever. I mean, I think that there are ways of bringing hmm. that in. Well, I'm excited. I mean, I the, I thought the project was fascinating. Um, the whole time you were doing it, it I was just so curious. And uh, it's it. I don't know of anything anyone has done that's anything like it, which is so interesting to hear about. And uh, I'm excited to see what you're going to do next. All the pressure's on now. We're all going to everyone out there. Just keep at. If you see Eric on the street, just ask him what are you doing next. And I want to give your lovely girlfriend, Cathay, a shout-out because I adore her. Thank you. Say hi. Hi, Cathay. Is she listening? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, she's probably going to hear this at some point. Probably. All right. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Thanks, Lisa. Let's get our next guest, Carla, in here. Carla Gaines. Get her in here, Eric. Tell her to move her butt quickly. Get in here now. And while she's getting in here, you guys can say hello and goodbye. Hello, oh, wait, Eric, goodbye. I want to take your... Um, I'll, come back. I'll come back. I'm just going to Okay. Um, uh, oh, I got a little nice note. It says, hey, say hi to Carla from me, from Tom Tenney. I didn't know you know him. Oh, hi. <laughs> okay, sit down. All right. Um, let's do the station ID again, because okay. uh, Tom Tenney, the uh, co-director oh, of... Yeah, put him right on. The co-director of uh, Brooklyn Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, Radio Free Brooklyn, um, coming to you from uh, Bushwick, and um, really glad to be here. Dr. Lisa gives a shit, and I give a shit about Carla. I have, I have for a long time, and I still give a shit. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's done you any good, <laughs> but I give a shit about you. Uh, it is special. I've sat on your lap, and I've yeah. also been on your couch. Uh -huh. Can you move a little closer oh, yes. to the mic? Yes. I'm, is your mic on? Yeah, your am mic's I on? on. Can everyone hear me? Everyone can hear you. Oh, right. Yeah. Turns out Tom Tenney was listening. How about that? Huh? Super. Hi, Tom. How do you know Tom? Uh, <laughs> ah. I know so many people. You so do. Yeah, I yeah. keep forgetting yeah. about that. Yeah. Carla knows everybody. <laughs> context because, right now. I'm like, context. Because <laughs> Car Carla, Carla is lovely, gorgeous, outgoing, talented. I don't know. <laughs> Just so many things. So many things. Oh, but let me introduce you to Carla because um, she, Carla just came back from getting married in uh in, in Italy, which is so freaking romantic. <laughs> I tried to convince her to just go through every detail of her getting married and everything, like the dress, the flowers, how it went, how it felt. But, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's like, I think she, you know, she was just like, ah, I don't know. You know, she, there are, I, she told me to buy a brides magazine. Okay. That's what she said. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, but you know what, she, 
uh, if you don't know Carla's latest work, I think it's your latest work or one or one of your most visible works lately that's been shown um, is the Garden Emoji Delights, which is like such an amazing work. And I'm sure you can see it on Carla's website, right? Yeah. And that's up at the Hudson River Museum until September 27th. And um, she has a show coming up in Bushwick, a bunch of shows. She's always she's always busy. And uh, where's the show on Saturday? So that's going to be at Transfer Gallery. And it's actually, I'm part of a show curated by Faith Holland, who has a solo show there right now. Oh. And it's um, a collection of 40 gifts that she's curated um, about gifts to have sex by. So I think it's nice. going to be a fantastic show. And it was supposed to be the closing party for her show, but her show has now been extended because it's been getting so much press. So oh, wow. I'm giving a shout out for Faith Holland and Transfer Gallery right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. And that's your gallery as well, and you're going to have a solo show there in January. Yes. Very exciting. Um, when's the opening? Tomorrow? Uh, so Faith's the group show is tomorrow that, that's part of her solo show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll yeah. stop by. Yeah, I definitely. think I got it on you my calendar. Very okay. So, um, anyway, and you are also you are also. What's your title? You you're. A- I like that I was promoted. I was listening to the uh, Eric's interview while I was outside, and I like that I was promoted to president of Pratt. But I'm actually the assistant chair or assistant chairperson of digital arts, and so that's a department at Pratt Institute. Wow. See, you've got it, and you just got married. Oh my God. <laughs> Carla, what you you know you should just you should be giving out the advice for God. Just give us advice. What are we doing? What am I doing wrong, Carla? Um, Lol, that's all I have to say. <laughs> okay, okay, that's that's laugh out loud. I even got that. That's that's how, that's how, is that how everybody in the digital arts department talks now? Oh sure, yeah. FOMO, low, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I was going to I wanted to talk about your childhood because. This is Dr. Lisa gives a shit, and I I wanted to know like I I thought it'd be really inspiring because you're so accomplished to find out, um, what your childhood was like and how art was part of it and all that. So let let's do that. Are you good with that? Sure. I wish I were laying on your couch right now to discuss this. Um, I'll preface it with. One thing, because you were mentioning the marriage and um, my getting married in Italy and that that was very romantic, etc. How did you know about it via social media? And I'm very active on social media. And recently I was at a dinner party and I was talking to some people and I said, I'm shy. And they were like, you're kidding me. You are not shy. And it's really funny because I was a very shy child when I was Mm -hmm. quite Mm -hmm. young. And I think I've spent my adulthood Um, overcompensating so I'm very Ah. active on social media and you know even the wedding there was a performative aspect to it no doubt it's you know a commitment to um, the person that I married Cleveland but also you know we had who's adorable (laughs) but we had it in an art and performance space and and you know that's something you know my entire life um, has been pretty committed to art uh, Uh, since I was very young yeah (laughs) no and and so it only seemed right for us to commit to each other in an art and performance space in Bologna. And so now back to my childhood. Um, I grew up in a really small town in the South. Um, that's one other reason I will add that um, I think Cleveland and I uh, work so well together because he's also from a small town in the South. Oh. Um, he's from Alabama. I'm from North Carolina. So I grew up in this really small town of about uh, 7,000 people. And by third grade, I worked with my grandfather to make a model of New York City. So I had aspirations early. By, what, what did your father do? 
My father was in computing, um, doing nonlinear video editing. What? Yeah, so my mother um, was a share lookalike model when I was a kid. Get out. Did I Not know kidding. that? A share lookalike <laughs> yeah, model? Yeah. Like a, she made a money impersonating share? Yeah, Cher? yeah. Holy shit. She's a diva. And she used to pick me up from school in different wigs. She, like, performed her identity a lot. This is all before social media, right? And and she wasn't an artist, but that performative aspect, I think, is something that um, is, you know, kind of encoded in my DNA. And, um, and, and both of my parents um, are artistic, I'll say that. And, you know, we used to, instead of watching TV, we'd sit around and make drawings and paintings together. But neither of them, coming from the South and coming from these very small towns, um, felt like it was an endeavor that they could pursue. But they encouraged me and thankfully and mm-hmm. so since I was really young you know it was a way I expressed myself something else um, you know I'll mention because this was something that I was very insecure about when I first moved to New York and I've now been in New York 20 years as of this May oh low. wow so um, I've, I feel like I can now you know proclaim I'm a New Yorker although I still smile at everyone on the street (laughs) you can't you can take the girl out of the south but you can't take the south out of the girl but um you know there's something else that has impacted me greatly and and a few years ago I I finally reconciled two identities in a way the the New Yorker Carla the person who really tried to assimilate and then the the Carla who grew up in this really small southern town and also half of my family is from the Appalachian Mountains and you know there's a family homestead and you know we'd go up there and visit my relatives my grandmother and grandfather are both Appalachian. Fam- family homestead so is that like I mean I was I don't know like my you know I'm just picturing like kids with no shoes and yeah no I mean those are the presumptions those are the what, presumptions. what was it like how you were you and know? actually the family homestead it was like going back in the 19th century because there was no plumbing there was an outhouse there were those things so that did you grow up like. with no plumbing no, I did not. And I, I want to make sure this is correct because recently I was interviewed and someone was like, she grew up in Appalachia. No, that was my, that's my mother's family. And so I, we were very close to them and we'd go visit every summer and stay up there. And as a child, I loved it because it was this bucolic oh, landscape, landscape. And then as I grew older, I started to realize that there were um, a lot of presumptions made about people there and um, uh, class assumptions of course and all of these things and so then you know by the time I got to New York I was really scared to talk about that part of my identity although Mm -hmm. it had been so um, significant to me as a child sure uh, most of my family they're storytellers my grandfather made musical instruments he made violins dulcimers and banjos and he and my grandmother would sing uh, mountain ballads and my mother and I would sing them sometimes at festivals my grandfather would be at and these kind of things and so there was a performative aspect there too (laughs) but also a lot of that culture you know that kind of storytelling those kind of things you know definitely um, have surfaced in my work. I, mm-hmm. I often describe myself as a digital storyteller, and I also say that I came from the Gothic South, and now I'm more interested in exploring themes of, you know, mm-hmm. um, instead of Southern Gothic, uh, Internet Gothic. Per se. <laughs> you know? That's but, a funny term. But, you know, I, I, I mention these things now just because I think sometimes when people first move to New York, and particularly within the art world, it's just like, you know, Gannis, for example, is not my last name. I was inspired by Andy Warhol, Philip Gustin, all of these it, people. Is it, what was your real last name? Well, I'm not going to say that, although my parents, of course, will hear this radio station and they'll be like, say your last name. But, you know, what, like. Well, were you trying to, were you, I'm getting the sense that you were, um, you were, you, were you embarrassed by, were you embarrassed is that no? What, I did, don't think I was ever embarrassed, but I do think that sometimes when you come to New York and you have, you know, 
aspirations. You're like, I want to be an artist. And you meet all of these people who are super hip and they've grown up in New York City or they're just like more of aware of things. Sophisticated, you know? sophisticated. in quotes. I had a thick Southern accent, you know. And and I was like, well, I'm in New York now and I can be whoever I want to be, you know. And I, I used to um, actually have this alter ego in the 90s, um, Sister Gemini, and I did work through her and she – you know, and, and I spoke through, I've had several different kind of mm-hmm. identities and things like that. And I think I'm really interested in exploring identity and, and mm-hmm. kind of the politics involved with that. Mm-hmm. And and so being forthright, I think when I first moved here, I was like, oh, God, people won't understand where I come from. Or, or you know, I was self-conscious that I'd be considered a hick or I'd be considered, you know, mm-hmm. not up to snuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's interesting that it takes a while sometimes, you know for whatever reasons, to kind of come into yourself. And I've done right. that, I think, through my art. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's, I mean, you're clearly, you are you in such a clear way. I don't, I mean, you can't put word, put it into words and define it, but you are you. <laughs> um, do you think that um, some of the identity issue might have had to do with your mother being um, a share, a share? Like, what was that like, a share, what it, share reenactor (laughs) like eric reenacting on kawara your mother no but i mean do you think like was that confusing to you as a child at all was that weird how how does how did that how did you digest that as a child well when i was a child one you know that we were growing up and i say growing up because i'm an only child my mother was very young when she had me so i always say that we were growing up together she was 20 Mm -hmm. and so um did she go to college or high school? She went to high school, but she didn't go to college. Did yeah. she have plumbing when she grew up? And she did. Mm-hmm. It was my grandparents okay. who didn't, and it was okay. a dad. So she yeah. was like, yes, and that's she was yeah. pretty normal in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, no, totally normal. It's you know, and and it was just that you know there was this this retreat in the mountains, and we still have the homestead there and, and land and things like that. And it was it was an amazing experience for me because my life has been like time travel. You know, there was one part or aspect of my identity and my family that was kind of posited in the 19th mm-hmm. century. Then my dad was into computing and taking me to computer right. graphics festivals, you know, and so I was jettisoning into the 21st century, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the 20th. And you're also like a very physical person, you know, you present as very athletic, um, mm-hmm. and I know you are. So do you think some of that is from growing up and being outside and all that stuff, being in the country? Well, that's something else. My mother um, was, you know, she was very young and when I was born, and then, you know, we grew up together, and um, she is a very charismatic person and she saw that I was shy so she put me in lots of lessons so that I would become comfortable in my body and um, you know running was something that I liked a lot because it was a more solitary endeavor <laughs> so I've you're such an run. artist <laughs> such an artist um, but I you know so I, I have her to thank for that to you know in terms of being comfortable in my body and being physical you know because she put me in dance mm-hmm. and all of those different things you put little girls in um, uh, and she was also very physical, and she ran and danced too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and but she also, you know, was exploring identity early on, and it was something that I was observing. And also that she was, you know, share. She's exotic, and in the South, you know, there's this tendency for, for a lot of people, you know, to to look at someone like my mother. The question we'd always get was, "Are you Italian or are you from New York?" Yeah, you know, right, right, since right. I was a little child, it was always like. Where are you from? You know, and, and those kind of things, you know, in terms of positionality, I think influenced me and my decisions to move to New York for one, you know. Right, yeah. right. So did your mom like sing and do all that or where would she have 
pure. Yeah, no, this was mostly, and, and this was when I was little, um, this was mostly she'd be doing runway shows and things like this, and there was this guy who dressed up like Sonny, and when I was really small, I had blonde hair, and so... Um, <laughs> chastity? Uh, yeah. You were it. chastity! I was. You I climbed pictures up on stage like that? once. Yeah. Could you send us some <laughs> so we could post them? I mean, if you want, you don't have to, but Maybe, we would yeah, love it. Yeah. We would love it here at Ra- Radio Free Brooklyn. Brooklyn Free Radio. <laughs> Brooklyn Free Radio. Yeah. Um, Radio Free Brooklyn. I always, oh man, I think I've got uh, dyslexia. Um, so, but like, did you ever think, did you see Cher on TV? I got stuck on this. Sorry, I got to get this out. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you ever see Cher on TV? Oh, yeah, I so did. So did you ever think, like, how did you resolve, like, your mom being Cher and that being Cher? What did you think? Like, what did you think as a little girl? Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I always knew she was my mother and that was Cher. I was able to kind of make those distinctions. Right. One, because Sonny was, you know, this short guy and my mm-hmm. dad's 6'5 but, and didn't look like Sonny. But was there ever, like, part of you that just wished your mom was the real Cher? Probably. There was also a part of me at, at some point, and, you know, my mother loved road trips. We had a Fiat convertible. And um, she'd take road trips all the time, and so I grew up kind of in that car. And finally, when I was in second grade, you know, the principal called my mother in and said, you got to keep your girl in school, you know, because she just oh. loved, she was a very free spirit, you know. Yeah. And, and I appreciated that, too, because I think that's something that's driven me as well in yeah. terms of, you know, the way I've lived my life. She um, sounds so awesome. I mean, I'm now married, but, you know, I've never even owned a bed. I'm a person who's roamed, and I don't collect. I collect computers and mm-hmm. and art and costumes sometimes because I've used myself in my work sure. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but other things and, and, you know, the household and those kind of domesticity isn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, I was influenced by my mother in that way, too. But I, I, I was able to tell she wasn't Cher. But the other thing I mentioned was, you know, she had other identities, too. You know, and she, she'd model and do these things. And at the time, it was the 70s, so women were wearing wigs and these things. So she had this collection of wigs. She'd pick me up from school oh, in a wow. wig based on who she felt like for the day. And, oh, and wow. I think later, you know, I've used myself on and off in my work for over 10 years, 15 years. And I think that, again, is something that, you know, Hindsight is twenty twenty. I can look at now and say, oh, mm-hmm. probably at six and seven years old, my mother, you know, dressing up and and performing the, you know, these different so great has influenced what I do. So, do you did you see identity as a child as mutable in a way? I did see it as mutable because my mother also would get dressed up in mountain wear and we'd perform with my grandfather with banjos and dulcimers, you know, and then she could be very cosmopolitan and looking like Cher, you know, and I and I, I felt like. That even my own identity, where I'm listening to these 19th century mountain ballads sung by my grandmother that are woeful and, you know, talking about the despair of humanity and then going to a computer graphics conference with my dad talking about the future and everything's whiz-bang, you know, I felt like my own identity was mutable within that. And, and of course, I didn't have the words to articulate it at the time. I just had this drive to, you know... Um, accomplish things and make art and make my way to the northeast that right was, that was a right. kind of big thing for me and you went to college out here is that when you came i went in? to grad school in boston boston university right but that was like when yeah. you oh did my. you go to college at home your yeah home? i went to college down south UNC, wow. UNC Greensboro. wow yeah. so yeah yeah so so yeah so you're you're people are surprised when they hear this side of you you don't you don't you seem you know trey sophisticated <laughs> right, I think so. I guess that depends on the day too. So you're a real self-made woman. Let's let's acknowledge that too, honey. <laughs> you folks out there, you lazy fucking asses, get going! Look at what's happened here. Um, so your dad sounds like he influenced the visual art, the actual making up things for you. 
Um, I, you know, it's really interesting. We had this re reverse generation gap because when I was um, younger, I was making oil paintings and I studied <laughs> uh, classical piano for 12 years. Oh, so I, I was so, that. you know, kind of classical. Um, and, and, and I think one, because I was like, oh, well, serious artists paint. And my dad was saying, saying to me then, you know, he's showing me Photoshop and showing me all of these oh, different Oh, really? Programs. Wow, as a kid. Yeah, wow. and he's, and, and he, um, or I think it was Corel Draw was the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and he's saying, this is the future of art. And, you know, I was resistant at first. And it's really interesting because <laughs> it's your parent. You know, you're supposed to, like, I rebelled by painting. Wow, I'm such a rebellious young woman. And, um, and, and but, I, but I think, you know, I was resistant at first. And, and later, I, I remember about 10 years ago, I got a grant and, um, for computer arts. And I remember, you know, telling my dad, you were right. I finally came around, you know. But, you know, I studied painting through grad school, oil painting, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's something else. There's a confluence of past and present and future that, you know, occurs in my work, where a lot of times I'm, you know, working with new technologies. But, but I also am... Um, Quoting or appropriating, like the Bosch piece, for example, mm -hmm. from the past, and, mm -hmm. I, and I think that that is something that you know is again just kind mm -hmm. of encoded in me to see the world that way of these mm -hmm. kind of overlapping times and finding convergences and divergences mm -hmm. between past, present, and future. Do you um, do you feel do do you feel like do you ever feel out of place in the world? Sure. <laughs> I mean, do you? I mean, we all do. But does it like you have so many? facets your you know real facets like in in um you know being from a place that's so different from most of the people around here and you know knowing all about painting and digital stuff and growing up in that way like does that feel like you really you must have had to integrate a lot of different things because you're fairly different than your upbringing right your parents yeah yeah and you're you're an only child i'm an only child yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you didn't have, like, a brother or a sister to be, you know, influenced by or share. Like, you you didn't get any outside perspective of, like, what you were experiencing from sure. a peer. Yeah, and, and, and that was one thing, you know, when I referred to the shyness when I was younger, I was much more comfortable in front of adults because the two kind of oh, right. main people in my life were my parents, mm -hmm. and they both were, were relatively young and kind of free spirits at the mm -hmm. time. And, um, and, and so it took me a while to kind of feel comfortable with people my own age. Um, and, and I think that I am always today, you know, in, mm -hmm. in kind of the position I'm in um, as an artist and as an academic, um, recalibrating, you know, who I am. Um, I look back at my work sometimes and, and there are are a few people who've talked to me about my work and they recognize that they're through lines, but I'm not a person who, um, it's interesting, we were talking about Ankawara, for example, mm -hmm. and I think he's a fascinating artist. Yeah. I think he's particularly fascinating in the context of like internet mm -hmm. culture today. Mm -hmm. But like there are these certain artists who, who I, I went to the Mirandi Museum in Italy too, oh. who have this persistence of vision throughout their lives. Right. It's one way of expressing themselves. And right. I've never been, you know, yeah. capable of doing that. I'm yeah. always kind of shape-shifting. And I mean, yeah. I, I think that is you know, a hallmark of my work, that kind of shape-shifting, you know, yeah. in style and in content somewhat, yeah. too. Yeah, so there must be uh, a lot of room for growth, personal growth in that way, I think, for you. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, it's and exciting. that feels comfortable to me. Yeah, I, yeah. You're, so you're comfortable with things changing, which is such a gift in this planet. Well, I think as a digital artist, being mutable is so 
important and necessary. And, and, and I call myself a digital artist. Sometimes mm-hmm. I call myself a transmedia artist. Sometimes I just call myself an artist, whatever. But, you know, uh-huh. there are all these monikers. But but I think we're one who is working with um, technology has to get used to things changing. Yeah. We're constantly dealing with obsolescence. I have <laughs> um, a storage unit upstate New York mm-hmm. um, filled with all of this obsolete technology that uh. I can't let go of. So all these old, old computers and discs and oh, things like that. Well, it's wow. also the only way to play certain things. I still have video works on VHS tape. My God. It's good know. to know because, you, you know, know maybe yeah. sometime I'll need to borrow. <laughs> yeah. Some obsolete technology. I have some obsolete stuff, too. Yeah. No, I mean... Um, so, um, and your parents, are they good? They sound like really amazing, interesting people. Yeah, they're awesome. And also, it sounds like they did a great job of letting you, you know, be you. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and a lot of parents, I think that's such a great, important. I also want to point out here that, you know, having um, a lot of happiness in your childhood and a good relationship with your parents can lead to productive, creative work. This is a great example of that, that you don't need to be miserable and hang on to your neuroses to make uh, great work. I just, wanna, I just want you all to like take note here because I'm feeling inspired by Carla and reminded of that myself. So um, we've got about eight minutes left, and I want to get my bridal, my bridal uh, magazine uh, thrills, um, so I'm going <laughs> to ask you, about so um um ask you about so you guys went you guys okay so you guys you guys got married in Italy we got married in Bologna so we took a trip um and it was about 10 days oh I have actually a kind of interesting um anecdote to share with you too so we had a layover in Moscow because we Mm -hmm. both had never been to Moscow and so we I'm going to get to the wedding part yeah 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 yeah. okay we got seven minutes okay okay um and so we were our visa was rejected so when we got to Moscow we rented this really fancy hotel that had a pool and a gym and this nice restaurant and we were like well you know we'll have 14 hours we don't get to go to Red Square because we don't have a visa but at least we'll get to enjoy the amenities of this hotel no they locked us in a room (laughs) they take you up a back staircase there are these agents they look like something out of the matrix and then these beautiful women with their hair swept up in long coats and they take you up this back um, uh, (laughs) elevator and then they lock you in a room they give you room service and then they come get you to take you um, away in the bus back to the airport it was a really kind of Oh my God! Were you were you frightened? I was a little, you know. And there also are, you know, um, surveillance cameras everywhere. And 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 by the way, because I have lots of Russian friends, I am not in any way trying to denigrate. No, no, no. We know that. It was a fascinating experience because you know we were silly to not you know try to get the visa earlier, but they wouldn't do it because we were doing Moscow, Italy. Italy, so yeah, so yeah. yeah, right. And so that was kind of fascinating experience. That's then crazy. we went to the Venice Biennale, and we had a lot of fun there. And I we've saw been doing a series together, alone together. So we photographed ourselves alone in places, and then I photoshopped them together. Oh, that's adorable. And um, and then we went to Verona as well, fair city where uh, you know uh, Shakespeare um, placed Romeo and Juliet, and uh, then also Bologna. And so a good friend of mine that I've known for years, Stefano Pasquini, an artist, fantastic artist. Um, organized the event for us um, and we had about 40 people there it was oh, great I saw pictures yeah and um, it was at this uh, performance art space and so it was it was billed as kind of like a wedding art performance and mm. we had three children who were our ring bearer I love fanny packs anyone who knows me knows me knows <laughs> oh, that's 
That's have true. A collection of fanny packs. That's true. So we had a fanny pack bearer, and I also have this fixation on Wonder Woman. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we know that about too. that. So we had two superhero, or superhero, I'll say, two superhero heroine capes. And so Aww. we had capes put on, and then, Aww. yeah, our rings, and we fist bumped with the rings, and then um, my fanny pack, my magic Aww. gold fanny pack. So, I want to see that. Yeah. Oh wow, that sounds so. That sounds. That sounds so. It so wasn't a conventional, traditional wedding. No, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be written about in Bride magazine. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You're right. So you said that you were surprised when Cleveland asked you to marry, asked you to get mar- to marry him. Yeah, I can't even. And it was it was like only it was fairly spontaneous for you, it was right? Very, very it was like a month ago, you yeah. said. And 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 we huh. had only been dating for five months. So how did it happen? I want to hear the story. Um, and it was actually our five month anniversary. Oh. Yeah. And um, he he we were just sitting there talking and talking about the future, and he asked me, and I looked at him and I was you know at first I was like is he serious is, is like this he a big said, joke <laughs> so do you want him do you want will you, did he say like will you marry me yeah yeah like that uh, yeah will you like, marry me yeah whoa so, so what how did you feel like did you just go like whoa I got a pot process like how did you feel yeah at first I was like I've got to process it that took about three seconds and I mean and, and it's fascinating because um I think sometimes you know we think about relationships and we think about Standards. We think about, you know, okay, well, a relationship takes this long to grow and, and this long to develop, and there should be, you know, a timeline that, you know, for these things. But um, sometimes when you meet someone, and I think particularly because he kind of understands parts of my nature that a lot of other people yeah. from he- here might not, yeah. and, and the fact that he comes from Monroeville, Alabama. That's um, l- oh, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The literary capital of Alabama. Is that right? And this really small oh. town. And, and when we first met, actually, this was really funny because it's become, you know, kind of like this like badge for me. I come from this tiny town in the south, 7,000. He said, well, mine's 5,000. <laughs> Oh, and I was crestfallen, you know. But, um, but you know, that's a, that's yeah. But uh, and he's an architect, and he um, and actually the building that I work in at Pratt, his firm built. So that's, that's how you met. Nice, met. yeah. And um, but uh, but it's it's really interesting when when you meet someone, and he had aspirations when he was very young too to move to New York City, and and he you know also worked on losing his southern accent because you know there is this. Um, kind of presumption that you're not as smart if you your accent is too thick and those kind of things and so we have a lot of shared experiences right yeah. right and also um, you know you guys are past the like post-college stage and <laughs> you have a, no but you have life experience which you know I mean a lot of times you know you you know yourself you've obviously been a lot of different Carla's so you know yourself yeah, yeah. Um. And so where were you sitting when he asked you? Like, where was it? (laughs) Were you really surprised? Where was it? It was actually in his architecture firm. (laughs) In the office? Yeah. Yeah, In in between meetings? (laughs) Not in between meetings, though. Yeah, it was in the conference room. And and so, yeah, it was (laughs) in the conference room. It was, you know. Did he say, come on in, I want to have a meeting. I've got an issue I want to discuss. Yeah, yeah. I've got to talk about. It was on my Google calendar and, you know. Yeah, right. Google calendar and, you know, yeah. Uh Did they have any. uh, I texted him first. And, you know, and I I texted my response, of course. (laughs) I, 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 you know, made sure I just texted him, you know, my response. I didn't want to, you know, speak right. it or and anything. They had, they had some, you know, account people there to yeah. help steer the meeting, make sure the agenda got covered of and course. stuff. So, 
So, um, did you said right yes right away or like how, what how do, how long does it take to compute something like that? What is that like? You are married. You know, did you yeah, but I have such a different road. I have such a different road. I've yeah, I got to interview you and hear yeah. that story. Now my road is nothing nothing like yours <laughs> at all. I am very happily married. My husband is terrific guy. He certainly is. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I've got a whole other, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's why I'm doing this radio show, because eventually I'll, if, if I get to do like a hundred of, you know, uh, uh, I'm not fucking talking about it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time, we don't have time for this, we don't have time for, for what happened to me. Um, my husband's great, that's all, I'm happily married, that's all I want, <laughs> that's all I need to say right now, but um, so we're going to have to quit, we're going to have to awesome. finish, so what happened there, what happened there? How, how how did you compute it? Did you, like, go through your head and then you went, yay, great? Yeah.